Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is Greg Hutchins. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> you know, we do this whenever we record. We record it you know, about once a month, you and I, Greg, and I record with a handful of other people. And um, <laughs> and you know my pattern is, so what do you want to talk about today? And <laughs> we bounce around a few ideas and, and usually something sparks our interest and we start talking about it. And I go, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's hit record. <laughs> <laughs> And that happened today. It happened today. And sometimes we have questions, which makes it a whole lot easier because, hey, we got a question. And we read it, read it or paraphrase it, and then we often run it. Now, I prefer the questions. We can put a little thought into it ahead of time. Sometimes I spring it on you. Yet, I think those discussions, one, they're in direct response to a listener's question. And two, it's when what, as on ever on the audience's mind, or at least somebody in the audience had this question. I thought, you know, that I think the show works better that way. The other part is that when we get together and we talk all the time, <laughs> we never have a lack of things to talk about. So I'm not too terribly worried about it. It's more the anxiety. So it's going to be a good topic for our audience kind of thing. And then I know uh, in reading about you know, hosting a podcast or, or doing article series or writing and stuff and doing even presentations is that the preparation really helps. It polishes it. You have a, a theme going or you have a sequence of stuff going or you uh, do some market research essentially and say what's on people's minds and you go talk about those things. So in and among all the other things we do, right, that process of prep, uh, I have not done to be honest all the time so <laughs> it might be a real pitch to say hey why don't you send me the your questions that help us out yet it's not just in preparing for these shows and it's um you know preparing for a presentation or pre and i was talking to somebody that was really nervous about they're going to a conference next week and they were concerned about how well they'll be perceived as a presenter because they're not they thought of themselves as not a very good presenter and then we talked about, well, what are you doing to prepare? Are you doing, you know, practice? You get one or two of your colleagues and, and have them be your audience and have them give you feedback and get, you know, the material, right? And go, oh, yeah, I really know what I'm talking about. It's the experiments I've been running and this and this and this. But once I asked that question, they could talk about it for an hour, easy. Yet when they were standing on a stage in front of an audience, that was something new to them. Says, well, you got to practice, you know, practice in your living room with your, your, your significant other or your kids or your goldfish. Um, practice in evening meetings and professional societies, go to conferences and always present. And it's the preparation that makes a difference. And I know that from experience that you don't get up there and start writing your slides Although I have seen presenters do that. They get up there with a blank screen and just start typing. <laughs> it's, it's kind of painful. <laughs> um, well, well, here's the irony, Fred. Uh, I've got to do a presentation for you, my monthly webinars. Oh, it's not for me, Greg. you got to understand your audience. But you're my boss, Fred. Uh, so. no, no, no. I just push the button. 
No, 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 no. There's, there's the wrath of Fred. Yeah, you, you, you made a, you made a commitment to me that you would do this monthly thing. So I'll hold you to it. So, okay. Yes, you do, and you hold me to it, and my feet are to the fire. So anyway, I'm, you know, there's the wrath of Fred. So I prep, prep, prep. When you want something, I take notes and I listen. So you know. <laughs> well, I appreciate you know, that. You know, you're my boss. So yeah. you know, I take notes. I prep, prep, prep. But for these SOR things, you want them extemporaneous. Yeah. I want to know what the topic is beforehand. So you want them basically ad hoc, extemporaneous. You want to have the freedom of the flow. And I want questions beforehand <laughs> so I can think about them. Yeah. And there's no doubt. I mean, both. <laughs> and I agree that when we have a, a topic or a question from somebody, you know, we have something that we say, oh, Tuesday, we're going to talk about this. Yep. <laughs> I'll give it some thought, but I try not to create an outline or it's not like creating a presentation because I do value the show's premise is that, hey, we're just talking shop. And so it's, I, I found that when we have too much of, oh, and then the first point is, and then the second point is, and then in summary, these, you know, it's no, that's not how people talk to each other. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> doesn't come across the same way. So it's a little bit of a balance. Yet I agree with you is that we have a topic ahead of time. We can think, oh, let's not forget anything. Let's make sure we cover the main points or have the right edge or piece to it that is useful for people. Um, yet sometimes we get together on the phone and it's like, do you have any topics? No, I don't have any topics. And then we just start rambling about whatever <laughs> is going on in our lives. And something usually comes up. Not always, but most of the time. Yet, it, it, you know, the, the, the issue is, is I'm thinking of, when I'm thinking of reliability work and quality work and stuff like that, you know, you don't just walk down to the production line and go, oh, I'm going to stick a control chart here. But you haven't done any training. Nobody knows what the hell it is. You haven't, you don't bring your calculator with you, so you couldn't figure out where your control limits with you anyway. Um, and you didn't know which piece of equipment would actually make a difference to put it on. But you could walk down there and just stick a control chart on some place and start the chance of that being useful is pretty minimal. Right. And so sometimes the preparation is, are you doing the right thing? And the, and do you have all the tools and capabilities in place so that you can do it? Well, um, the chance that you can ad hoc your way into improving a production line or improving a, a, a team's design of a reliability, uh, from a reliability point of view or quality point of view is pretty low that you can walk in and wave your hand and it would be better. No, it, it usually takes a lot of work and, and thinking. In general, I found that, well, first of all, you know, a couple differences between you and I, you focus quite often on the technical aspect. Mm -hmm. I focus more on the social, you know, why did people do something the way they did? Mm -hmm. uh, how do they decide how to decide, you know, yeah, yeah. things that sort of uh, pique my interest. So I spend, in general, a humongous amount of time prepping, preparing. Um, sometimes there's a point of diminishing return. I get that. But part of it is my fear of failure. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be discredited, uh, uh, blown away, uh, ghosted, whatever. You know, I want to basically be prepared. And on these SOR talks that are extemporaneous, meaning a conversation, uh, you know, free flow, 
somebody who's anal like me has a hard time sometimes, <laughs> you know, because I want cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect of the conversation, as opposed to this ad hoc. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I get that. It, you get the final say, though. You get to put together the show notes. So if you're really wondering what Greg wants to do in the show, then you go see the show notes and it'll have his notes. <laughs> so you get the final say. I get my ad, so yeah. <laughs> you have the final say. Yeah. There's this general, I, and I've seen it when I'm, you know, within a company or is that, Oh, we've got this important meeting coming up and you wait till Monday, you know, Tuesday morning to start preparing for it. And then you realize it's an all nighter to get ready for it. And then you're half asleep and you, you can't think and prepare or and answer questions clearly. And all those other things that make your worst nightmare come true is that even with the, the prep you did, all the hours you put into it, you undermined yourself by waiting to the last minute. I remember this back in school, learning calculus, you know, it was something, it was just always the way I did stuff is I would learn it. I would do the homework. I would work the problems. I would get to a point where I understood it and it stayed with me. I really didn't care about the test. You know, yeah, you had to pass the test to not have to take the course again. Yet if you understood the material, the test was actually not that bad. Whereas my classmates would ignore most, they would do the minimum through the course and then they cram the two, three days before the final and they might pass the final and then completely forget all the calculus they learned. And then a year later, they're taking an engineering course and they're trying to figure out how to do this equation and they've forgotten all the basics of just how to do it and, and they're lost. And I was like, that it's just, no, you, if you do the prep, you do the homework, you, you, do the you put the time in prior one it helps you learn things at least in my experience i've you know have lessons that i've kept for many 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 years and and, and can pull on that knowledge at, at any time yet there's people that just refuse to prepare until well that's not due until tuesday so i'm not going to start until tuesday and i see that in some design teams and so on the better designers I work with, you know, they prioritize. These are the, going to be the more difficult problems. I better solve those first. And then I'll work on the smaller problems and the easier things to fix. As opposed to the ones who go, well, I'm going to do all the little things first. And then there's only, then I'm boxed in. There's only one solution for the big problem, if there's one. And then it's a, a panic to finish. The The issue is, is, Greg, is that there's this basic, you know, I don't want to do the hard stuff now. I'll push that off. And so somebody that doesn't like presenting, the best thing for them is to practice. Yet that's the thing they least want to do. <laughs> I don't get that. And there's another point there. And a lot of it, by the way, that you've expressed in developing courses. It's not only the preparation in developing a course, and I'll use that as an example, mm -hmm. but it's what do you want the behavior of the other person, the attendees at the seminar, the attendees of a workshop, what do you want them in terms to learn and to change their behaviors? You know, what are the takeaways for them that they can basically take and do something with? Yep. And that is not only preparation from your point of view or, the, you know, the presenter's point of view, but it's also almost what do they need to learn or take away that they can apply immediately or get value from. 
And that's a little bit more than just preparation. It's almost having going one step further to see how behaviors and learn things can be learned. Yeah. I don't know if I'm expressing that right. No, I think so. I, I mean, it's the same with a presentation or same with a reliability plan. And, and Carl says it the best, or I think he's quoting uh, Covey, is start with the end in mind. Yep. You know, what, what's, what's, where's the value going to come from, from this recommendation or this class or whatever? How is this going to make a difference? And then you start combination of understanding your audience and, and, and preparing so that what you present or what you propose or what you recommend actually fits with that audience. They get it. They understand it. Yet It makes a difference. And, exactly. and then it has the result of making a change. It makes a dis- difference. Yep. If you don't know what difference you're trying to make, then you don't have to say much of anything or you could say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It's, you're not <laughs> going to get a result because <laughs> you don't have one. What's that quote? If you don't have a... If you don't know where you're going, any place you go is is the, is is fine or something like that. Or uh, the equivalent would be if you don't know where you're going, any path will take you there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one I'm thinking of. But the idea is is that um, we do preparation, and I'm thinking of the. Uh, I was talking to somebody about creating a reliability plan, and he says, "Do you really need to understand what?" the team can do now and not do and what they do well and so on. And they said, well, let's say you come out of college and you got, you got your PhD in reliability. And you know that these three tools are just the cat's meow. They're the best thing ever. The really good organizations use these things. And you go into a, an average organization anywhere in the country that's designing and building products. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing you recommend yet in order for them to actually do it, they all need master's degrees you know, a level of education on those particular tools in order to even turn them on or to use them. And it says, is that in service of that organization? You know, is if you don't, if you don't match your recommendations, I make, give this advice to anybody that's thinking about consulting. If you don't give your recommendations that are feasible for them to actually execute or do or make happen, mm-hmm. it's kind of a worthless recommendation. So it's if you got a team that has no statistical experience whatsoever and you say, oh, you need to do this high zoots, nonlinear regression analysis and create all these wonderful models and use Monte Carlo, Markov chain analysis and blah, 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 blah. And I don't even know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So why would you recommend it? You know, they you're going to look at you that we don't know how to do that. And we're not going to go back to school for three years to figure out how to do it. What can we do now with what we got? Let's make the next step. Maybe in three years, we'll be ready for that. Yet we need to solve a problem today and we need to learn new skills. It, it, you know, incrementally in making, adding value each step of the way. So that's part of the, if you wait to the last minute, your options really diminish of what, you can do it. But if you go through the prep and understand where the organization is and what their skills are and what's possible, that takes time. That's the preparation. And then you can make a recommendation or build a plan or make, you know, provide a direction that is both feasible and makes progress. Absolutely. I, you know, and this is sort of an aside. Um, I've been playing with the chat GPT for over a year now. And what's has it really been that long that that's been out? I was an early adopter. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, wow. it, 
It's been a while. And one of the things is that it's amazingly smart in its recommendations. Um, the, and the question comes up, what's the role of the human in all this? And I think the role of the human is the machine is going to give you the recommendations, the steps. But the human, meaning the consultant, whether reliability or quality or even an engineer or a marketing person, is actually in the implementation. How are you going to make a difference? Mm-hmm. Ensure that a result is arrived at, a problem is solved, or something is done, right? <laughs> you know, we've got to close that, close that loop. Yep. Because the machine is just giving us the steps. And by the way, very good steps. It'll offer a diagnosis to a medical problem. I'll give you a steps in a, even in a program. Very good software developer. Mm-hmm. Implementing it in terms of the context of the problem is where we, at least for probably 10 years, <laughs> have an advantage. And so that basically means we have to focus on the behaviors of people or the problems we want to solve. That's a little bit of an aside. but Well, it also brings up that it's one of my pet peeves is somebody will say, well, I, I got it from a computer. It must be right. And <laughs> well, and I, I don't remember who I was talking to. It was just, just the other day. It was, it was one of my students. It, it was a conversation uh-huh. ago. Um, well, how do you know that you know, because a lot of the tools and techniques we use in reliability these days are computer-based. And he was also looking at ChatGPT. It's kind of what sparked this memory of it. Uh-huh. He said, why Why don't we just write a plan with this, you know, do a, an analysis or whatever, just using the, the AI tools? And his question was really, are there any AI tools that I see in the reliability space that are really useful. And I said, yeah, not really yet. And it comes down to what you just said is, well, you got to implement it. But before you implement it, you got it. I, I, the way I phrased it was the way one of my bosses used to do it. You'd bring him a proposal or analysis and he'd look at the results and go, and he kind of sniffed the paper. It was kind of, you know, going, I'm giving this the sniff test. This doesn't sit right, you know? It's really hard to have a negative weight as the final result. You know, mass generally doesn't go below zero. <laughs> oh, geez, I missed a sign there. Okay, let me go fix my calculations. And it, but he, he and it, sometimes it wouldn't be that. It would be just the order of magnitude of the result. Well, I was expecting a bigger response from that. And he always had something he would compare the results to. And some of that was just his experience and knowledge and prior work. And sometimes it's it's useful to do that in your own work. If you get something out of an AI system does it does it the way my boss would say it does it smell right does it what's your gut say is this in the ballpark of rational um because i i actually saw an analysis and i know i talked about this a couple of times where the the final result was that there was an expected negative three months time to li- time to failure <laughs> like, hmm and they yeah. posted that <laughs> on a slide. <laughs> it's like, really? Um, and, and I had to convince my lawyer that it's just really not possible. We haven't invented time machines yet. And, you know, reversal <laughs> of the time flow. That's something we'd like, but we haven't done it yet. Um, but the idea is that that is all part of the preparation. Well, What's the ballpark for this answer? What's the common wisdom for this? It might be wrong. You're setting yourself to make a comparison. Yet if you don't have a an idea what the result should be, 
you don't know whether you've just made a simple mistake or you discover you have a Nobel Prize piece of evidence here. Um, and too many people I run into don't do that pre-work of going, you know, what's what's our experience in the field anecdotally? Is that consistent with the experimental results we're getting? You know, are the failures we're seeing in this test system, are those relevant or consistent with what we're seeing in the field? You know, is if it's just, are we on the right track? And sometimes it's intuition. It'd be an explanation of it, but yet that takes preparation. You need to sit down and think about it. And so waiting to the last minute and running the test real quick and getting a result and pushing publish is, it's really fraught with danger. And sometimes it's innocent clerical errors, yet you get this bizarre answer. And if you don't have the prep in place, it's one to prevent bad results or on, you know, clerical errors leading you astray or just bad experimental procedures. Um, if you just wait to the last minute, everything's rushed and it's just not going to fall in place and just work for you. Um, it does take time to be ready uh, to run an experiment or make a recommendation or do a presentation. I agree. You know, it comes down to understanding the core of the problem at a deep level. You know, maybe even the people element, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we all have different assumptions, different biases, different boundary conditions and risks. And for me, it just simply takes a lot of prep, as you say, right, to figure out what they are, you know, um, and basically sometimes understanding my biases, you know. Like, yeah, same. Yeah, right. Problem, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I get you on that. It, so I'm just thinking for our poor audience here, they just said, well, you just tripled my workload. Oh, thanks a lot. And it's like, yeah, it comes around and pays for itself. You know, if you're if you're listening to this and it's, maybe you should, you know, end the, because I'm going to wrap up here now. Is, is You can hit hit stop and go get back to work and start preparing for your next meeting. Um it pays off. It shows professionalism, does all these other good things. But yeah, you know, what's your thought on this? It's, I mean, sometimes we're actually forced into a last minute situation and we have to react. Sometimes we have the luxury to delay. And I know I'm a great procrastinator. I have to really focus myself to do the due diligence and preparation. Um, yet there's ways to do it and there's ways to, you know, make the best of it, all those circumstances. But what's your take on this? You know, how much prep do you put into, say, a presentation at a conference or making a proposal or whatever? You know, let us know what's working for you, what's not, how's it made a difference for you. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. You can find Greg and I and other hosts of the show on LinkedIn or in our about pages. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch. Um, so in the last minute effort here, Greg, I think we'll we'll end end this. Uh, I guess that doesn't make sense at the end of the podcast. So. <laughs> it works for me, Fred. This has been fun. I enjoyed that because uh, sometimes I procrastinate. Hopefully, I don't too much. <laughs> Going longer. forward, there you go. <laughs> anyway. All right, thanks, Greg. Let's get ready to, for our next round of recording. We'll, we got some time, so we can prepare. Okay, thanks. <laughs> talk to you later. Talk soon. Bye bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.